I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Make them forfeit these games. I'm completely serious. If your team has to miss out on a game because one or more of your people came down with coronavirus, sorry, you lost. You were unable to compete. And on that completely pleasant note, good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network, which you can find via... Auto download at any platform you choose. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Anchor. We're everywhere. But set us to auto download so that we're just sitting there waiting for you. As soon as you're ready, you tap one button and we're on. I'll be getting into the opening of NFL training camps, to media anyway, later in the show, as well as some NHL material. But first, the Pirates headed home from Cincinnati yesterday after a workout at Great American Ballpark after having lost two more games to the other team coming down with coronavirus to some extent or another. That's five total games the Pirates have lost in the past week. And by that, I don't mean in the traditional sense. I mean, they lost as in they weren't able to play them. I could hear all the funny lines, believe me, when I said it. But they're out five games. And what's going to end up happening is the makeup games are going to be rammed in into little holes. There's one already that's set up, Pirates and Cardinals, August 27th, doubleheader in St. Louis on an idle day between the Pirates playing the White Sox in Chicago and then playing the Brewers in Milwaukee. They're going to make a special flight to St. Louis to play two games. The Pirates are going to be the ones inconvenienced by this. Later in the year, most likely in the third week of September, you're going to see the Pirates and Reds make up the two games they lost over the past weekend. And again, it's going to be the Pirates being inconvenienced, not to mention the Pirates being taxed extra. When you're playing doubleheaders, you're relying on depth. The Pirates don't have depth. We've seen that. We've seen it painfully. It's excruciating when they show their depth. They're going to be the ones that are punished for this, While the other side comes back all, you know, everybody's healthy and happy and energized and the Marlins came back after their long layoff and clobbered everybody in sight. The Cardinals came back just a couple days ago after 17 days off and swept a doubleheader. They're all 
ready and fresh and raring to go, and they're going against some other team that's just done what it's supposed to be doing. You're punishing, in effect, the teams that are taking care of business, that are taking care of their own, that aren't doing stupid things or whatever it is that's led to the independent issues of the Marlins, the Cardinals, and now at least the one positive with the Reds. Although here's what's telling from this past weekend. The Pirates and Reds had been discussing with Major League Baseball that maybe they could just hang around in Cincinnati today, what had been a mutual off day for both teams, and they could play a doubleheader and get those games out of the way right then. If they hang around, the Pirates got cleared. The Pirates were told, nope, go back to Pittsburgh and you just play your regularly scheduled game against the Indians tomorrow at PNC Park. The Reds didn't get any such clearance, which is why there will be no doubleheader today. So the Reds are the ones that messed up. The Reds are the ones that caused this. The Reds won't suffer for it in the standings. In any other setting, actually, at any other level of the sport, if you don't have enough players to play, if you aren't filling the mandatory amount, the minimum of what's required to take the field that day, you forfeit you lose. And, and, and look, I'm not being naive here. I don't think this is something that's going to change in midstream. If you were to see multiple breakouts with multiple teams, the discussion wouldn't veer toward, hmm, let's make them all forfeit and everybody else gets wins. The discussion would instead go to, wow, we're just going to shut this whole thing down. But I really really feel like this should have been a consideration at some point. Because as we're speaking, the, the number of teams that have been great at this since the season started, including the Pirates, is almost everyone. But they're the ones that pay a price for somebody else doing something wrong. Uh Look, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna rip Major League Baseball for this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take this too far. But I will say that the Pirates are currently four and fourteen, and just for fun, if you gave them these last five games all as Ws, they would be nine and fourteen. Okay, so they'd still be rotten. They'd still be in last place. So never mind. I just wasted my entire segment on this subject when we come back it's the opening of nfl training camps stay with me for something far more substantive i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. NFL training camps have technically been open for nearly three weeks, including the Steelers over at Heinz Field. But today is a little different for a couple reasons. One is that around the league, reporters will be allowed into the stadiums for the first time. And the other is that you're going to see pads and padded practices. There will only be 14 of these, believe it or not, through this entire I was about to call it a preseason, but there isn't even going to be a preseason. So there's going to be 14 practices leading into, in the Steelers' case, their September 14 opener against the Giants in East Rutherford, New Jersey. That's ambitious. That's also something I'm really, really looking forward to. Uh, Not going to lie. Dale Lawley is going to be over there today. We're only allowed, and this is this applies to everybody, one reporter per outlet per day. So we're going to be doing a little bit of alternating early on, and I'll get over there tomorrow and take my turn and write up whatever it is that I see and hear and everything. And I'm genuinely pumped for this. Um, football is the sport, I think, that has given me the most hope through this whole pandemic, going back to the virtual NFL draft uh, and everything that's followed, the attitude, the approach that Roger Goodell, who otherwise has just been an abominably bad commissioner, has admirably handled, I think, through this particular situation. And here we are with football almost in front of us, there are things that you can see, that you can hear, that you can't pick up through the way we've been forced, all of us, to learn about this particular camp. Uh, the Steelers have done a pretty nice job in, in terms of getting out. They send 12 to 14 still photographs. They send out a, a two-minute and change video um, you know, shy of filming the entire practice, which, you know, no NFL coach anywhere would want because you would just be handing everything to Belichick in August. They've done it. They've done as much as you could reasonably expect. It's not the same. It's not the same as being there. It's not the same as seeing. And some of the things that I know Dale and I have been talking all weekend uh, that we're looking forward to viewing once we go in there his thing is watching reps he he's he's really big on seeing who lines up in which packages when and why that tells him an awful lot about the potential usage of those players how much they trust someone way more than any of their words do the zoom calls are wonderful they're appreciated uh, and again the Steelers have been great at that but nothing speaks to how a coach feels 
quite like participation on the field. So if, for example, Matt Filer is taking all the snaps at left guard, they can talk all they want about how he's still in the mix at right tackle or whatever else, and it's just you see it. You know what it is that they're thinking, and you know what it is that they're aiming for for that opening Monday night against the Giants. Same applies for position battles. You watch the rotations. You watch to see who's getting snaps with the first team, Zach Banner or Chooksakorafor, meaning at right tackle, of course. Uh, you're watching for different sets. Remember, there's going to be limits, too, and there always are on what we're allowed to report as far as practice participation goes. That's just NFL guidelines that have nothing to do with coronavirus times. That's just an agreement that's made between the NFL and the Pro Football Writers Association across the board where we'll let you into practices. We just really don't want you to give away all our strategic secrets. And it's something the PFWA has gone along with for a long time now. More than anything, I'm looking forward to seeing execution between Ben and the receivers. Look, I could I could come up with all kinds of inside football, this and that right now. More than anything, I just want to see the ball coming out of Ben's hand, and I want to see it landing in the hands of various receivers in various ways. You know, I want to see him heaving to James Washington. The only connections, the only meaningful connections we've seen between James Washington and an NFL quarterback have been between him and his old college buddy, Mason Rudolph. Why? Ben didn't really get that chance. Not in camp last year, certainly not in preseason games. And then, of course, Ben was out in week two. I want to see that. I want to see Ben hooking up again and again and again with Deontay Johnson. I know not everybody is wild about when you bring up Antonio Brown as it relates to Deontay, and I, and I get that. He's not going to be expected to be that caliber of a receiver only because you don't expect that of anyone. Uh, A.B., for all his weirdness and everything else and everything he's done to damage uh, his own brand, his own credibility, and now his own career was a truly generational talent. But what you do see between Deontay and A.B. that I feel very comfortable saying is a similar style, a similar ability to get open and then break something after the catch. And Ben has always been, going back to his earliest Ben being Ben days, the kind of quarterback who loves it when a receiver comes open late. Ben's always taken pride in buying that extra half second or second by moving a little bit to his left or right, waiting a little bit extra long, and then hitting that guy once they come back to the ball. And you know what I'm talking about. It wasn't. It's not just A.B. Heinz Ward did it forever. Heath Miller was great at it. The guys who come back to Ben late in the play have been those who have been most rewarded. There's no one on this receiving core who can do that like Deontay, and I'm, I'm including Juju in that. Juju is more a guy that... When he and Ben did hook up, and obviously they had a wonderful season together 
in 2018. It was more Ben hitting Juju on some quick play or something down the field on a slant where Juju could just hit a seam and then take off. It wasn't as much about the spontaneity, the kind of stuff that Ben has always had as more of a trademark. He and Deontay, I would just love to see even if they're not, you know, their timing isn't all there and everything else, I just want to see them getting used to each other because I think there's something really special there. Same thing goes for the tight ends. We've seen what Ben can do with Vance McDonald when Vance is on the field. Eric Ebron, I think, is a, a better pass-catching tight end. That's not a knock on Vance. Vance is probably the superior athlete. But Ebron can do different things, particularly in the red zone, particularly his ability to stretch up and get the ball, high passes, combat catch type things. If Ben takes the field with two tight ends at the same time, we're all in for a treat. That's what I want to see more than anything. The rest of it, the the the, the nitty-gritty stuff, the who's battling this and that and who's going to be on the kick coverage teams and everything else, I'm going to leave that to everybody else. I, I want to go there and take the, the, when I get there, and take the lowest hanging fruit that there is. And that's, how's Ben doing? How does he look? How's that arm? You know, did he really zip one in there? Or is he, or is he holding back a little bit? Did he heave one up? Even if it missed his guy by a zillion miles. How did it go? Because once that's in line, I have a feeling that this city is going to start getting excited about this football team in a way that it currently is not, unless I'm grossly misreading something. Part of that, I think, is because the camp has been closed and a handful of images in a two-minute video aren't going to get people all stoked about anything. It doesn't even necessarily feel like the Steelers are in camp. Think about all the coverage the Steelers generally get when they're out at Latrobe. Not to mention all the people that make the drive and go out there and see them for themselves. This is completely different. But now, once you start getting more sets of eyes in there, more cameras, more microphones, it's not quite the same as having preseason games, but you're going to see plays being made. You're going to see throws being made, passes being caught, and it's going to have a different feel to it, and this city's going to get excited, and it should. This is a very, very good football team. It's a great defense, and as I speak, a good offense. But that good offense has a ceiling. A generous It can get significantly better. I'm really looking forward to watching that play out beginning tomorrow. When we come back, a little bit of pucks. You know that feeling that you get when you're on a long flight or a long drive and you're legs kind of stiffen up a little bit or a lot depending on the length of the flight or the drive and then you get up to either walk around the cabin or uh, make it to the restroom at a rest stop and your legs are just barely moving 
and it takes a while to get going. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. Not at all made for older legs. This segment of Daily Shot is always brought to you by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. During normal times, one in seven people in our region are food insecure, including one in five children. Not knowing where your next meal is coming from can be a scary thought. Now, during the pandemic, the need for food is that much greater. If you are in need of food assistance, or if you just like to support the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. And I said it like that for a reason. Don't abbreviate any of that. pittsburghfoodbank.org. One dollar can provide enough food for up to five meals. I've had the Stanley Cup playoffs on kind of as background music, for for lack of a better way to describe it. I'd say the only games that were not Penguins-related that I really watched, it wasn't even games plural, it was really just one game that multi-overtime, five-overtime game between uh, the Blue Jackets and the Lightning. And other than that, it's just been kind of there, you know. Uh, and that's tough TV watching because usually when you're watching a sporting event like that and it's just background, you're counting on the crowd to tell you when to look up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if there's a ah, moment and the crowd goes nuts, you stop what you're doing and you just glance up and see what what's there. This crowd is just constantly making the same noise. You know what I'm saying? So it makes it a little bit of a challenge. The announcers also, they're in the same spot. They're not there. I don't know if you realize that. A lot of people don't. The announcers are doing this from, from their homes or from studios. Doc Emmerich sitting at his house in Michigan. You know, he's been set up with some TV monitors or whatever, but it's not the same. And their goal calls come really late. And, and again, this isn't a criticism. This is just... That's just how it is. You can't tell the puck is in. You're not there. It's different. But I'll tell you one thing that does come across loud and clear from these playoffs, at least to this stage, meaning halfway through the first round. If you've got younger legs, it shows. I'm not certain what that's going to mean toward evaluating the Penguins' performance in the preliminary round loss to the Canadians. And I'm definitely not looking for an excuse of any kind. The Penguins made their own bed. They've got a lie in it. But I can say from watching, however intently, a lot of these different games, that when I see teams like Columbus like the New York Islanders, like the Vancouver Canucks, that are showing pretty well, not just in terms of results, but also stylistically and energy-wise. It's not a coincidence. These are younger teams. Montreal was no different when they faced the Penguins. The Penguins never, even when they won Game 2, took over at any point. They had a really strong first period of Game 1, and that was about it. That was really about it as far as taking it to Montreal from an energy standpoint. 
What does that mean? Does that mean they couldn't get their car legs or their airplane legs loose? I don't know. It seemed like they got them loose in the first period of game one. And I just hope that whatever it is that comes of the rest of this postseason, that it's taken into consideration when evaluating the Penguins. Are they an older team? Yes. Do they need to get younger? Yes. Do they need to be completely obliterated as the result of four games against a younger opponent following four months of nothing? Eh, you see what I'm saying here? I just think it's worth adding to the discussion. The, the Penguins can get younger. I really believe that. It's why I wrote the column that I did last week. They can get younger without moving Evgeny Malkin and or Chris Letang. They can get younger by starting with a trade of Matt Murray. I don't think you're going to see a goaltender for a goaltender trade. I don't think you're going to see a draft pick come in return. I think you're going to see Jim Rutherford look for a younger talent, a younger NHL-ready type talent. Is it going to be a superstar? No. Is it going to be a real-life hockey player? I think it will. I think it will. If you look at similar deals uh, involving age groups, and this is not a good one on Jim's ledger, he was able to get Dominic Cahoon for Olimata. Now, they have obviously similar ages, but then remember, Murray's not old. You know, Murray won his first cup with the Penguins when he was 22. So he's got youth on his side as well. You should be able to get a good young player for that. Let's say that there is a young player somewhere, and you can't be signing restricted free agents. I mean, there's technicalities for that, but they'd never pull it off. But you can look around and see who's available. You can see who's available through trade. You can see who's available through free agency that even if they aren't, you know, 22, 23 or whatever, that might be younger than what you currently have. A free agent who's more in the range of 26, 27. Those guys are available. They do have legs that can help you right now and for the next two, three years. Jason Zucker is not a younger guy, but he's not old either. And Jason Zucker, to watch him play, you don't think to yourself, hey, there's an old guy. He's really moving. He comes with a lot of energy. He gave the Penguins quite the burst, you'll recall, whenever he first arrived from Minnesota. Going completely young doesn't make sense either. Because when you do have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, and the rest of these guys, you're going to be competing for a cup right now. So you don't want to just say, all right, listen, everybody who's under 23, you're on the team. Uh, Lafferty, Angelo, Adam Johnson, uh, Samuel Poulan. Heck, we'll throw in Nathan Legare too. They're both, him and Poulan, both 19 years old. You're on the team just because you're young. That's not what you're doing either. It's not getting young just to be young. You're looking for energy. You're looking for a spark. I mean, Brandon Tanev's not a young guy, but he plays young. He's flying all over the rink. He's effective. 
find that energy, find it from somewhere because believe you me, these other teams, even watching them from afar up in Toronto and Edmonton, even watching them out of the corner of my eye, I can see that there's something there that the Penguins absolutely didn't have. And that's the number one thing that Rutherford and Mike Sullivan both need to be searching out this summer. Coming up today at 11 a.m. will be our Pirates podcast with Noah Hiles and Alex Stumpf back from Cincinnati. And then starting tomorrow, our very first Steelers only podcast with Chris Carter and Dale Lolly. Yes, you heard it right. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.